0: Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan and we are diving into a big book study today and this big book study is part two of Two Wives Two Wives is a really interesting chapter in that it's a chapter that is written About us. It's not written for us that are in AA. It's written for the people that we affect When we drink, you know And I think the most important thing is to remember that you're listening to a conversation between two people and that conversation is about you and they're getting honest about how they experience you. And it's not pleasant. So as we got into Two Wives, we learned that we were terrorists, that we terrorized people. In some cases, we were violent, that we brought all types of insecurity to the family, that we frequently violated trust in a lot of different ways, from fidelity to financial, to just regular old commitments like I'll be home in a little while. We really just aren't a trustworthy bunch. And as we got through it, there's the questions that get asked. You know that that our spouses and our parents and our kids that know us, they ask themselves these questions. Why is it when we're sober are we so kind and generous and whatever we are and when we drink we're this completely different person. The book says we're a stranger when we drink. A stranger. Think about that. They don't even know who we are when we drink. So in helping them understand us a little more specifically Bill broke it apart into four different types of drinkers and what may be expected if we are one of those drinkers. So I would caution you here. I know as I read this, I wanted to find myself to be like something other than the number three and four drinker as we go through this. You'll understand that in a second. However, remember where you're at, right? Do you know where you are? You're in an AA meeting and there's a good possibility that you're not a number three or four drinker if you are here. (laughs) So just think about that. That's something you get to determine all on your own. A great way to determine that is to ask the people that love us. There's there's really two ways that you can definitely look outside of you to know if you have an alcohol problem or if you're an alcoholic, right? One of them is that people that love you have told you so. Because remember, there's a lot at risk when they tell you that. There's a lot at risk. They risk you never talking to them again. They take a lot of relational risk to tell you you have a drinking problem. Someone that you love has told you that. Please examine that deeply. The other one is this silly question, and you may have heard this before, but uh, just ask yourself, you know, what is a normal blood alcohol content? What's a normal BAC? And the answer is this. um, If you thought of a number, you're in the right place because it's zero. That is a normal blood alcohol content. And you may have thought of a number. So as we get into this, we're at the bottom of page 108 in your big book. And what Bill's going to do for us or for the people that love us really, and we're, we're listening in to Bill describe to people that love us who we may be. Give them four options. And there are options of different types of drinkers. And we've gone through this a couple of different ways in the book. Here's how we go through it in Two Wives. It says, bottom of page 108, the problem with which you struggle usually falls within one of four categories. This is category one. One, your husband may be only a heavy drinker. His drinking may be constant or it may be heavy only on certain occasions. Perhaps he spends too much money for liquor. It may be slowing him up mentally and physically, but he does not see it. Sometimes he is a source of embarrassment to you and his friends. He is positive he can handle his liquor that it does him no harm, that drinking is necessary in his business. He would probably be insulted if he were called an alcoholic. This world is full of people like him. Some will moderate or stop altogether, and some will not. Of those who keep on, a good number will become true alcoholics after a while. Here's category number two. Two. Your husband is showing lack of control. He is unable to stay on the water wagon even when he wants to. Can't keep commitments to himself. There's a big, big red flag. He often gets entirely out of hand when drinking. He admits this is true, but is positive that he will do better. He has begun to try, with or without your cooperation, various means of moderating or staying dry. Maybe he is beginning to lose his friends. His business may suffer somewhat. He is worried at times and is becoming aware that he cannot drink like other people. He sometimes drinks in the morning and through the day also to hold his nervousness in check. He is remorseful after serious drinking bouts and tells you he wants to stop. But when he gets over the spree, he begins to think once more how he can drink moderately the next time. We think this person is in danger. These are the earmarks of a real alcoholic. Perhaps he can still tend to business fairly well he has by no means ruined everything. As we say amongst ourselves, he wants to want to stop. I like to say sometimes at this moment, there's a lot of people that come to our room and they're really deciding to decide, to decide. They've put it all off. Let's see what happens with the legal case. Maybe I can talk my wife into staying. I might be able to find a job real quick, right? So I'll make a decision about this, say, A, business after some future event or some other circumstance changes. Here's category number three. This husband has gone much further than husband number two. Though once like number two, he became worse. His friends have slipped away. His home is a near wreck and he cannot hold a position. Maybe the doctor has been called in and the weary round of sanitariums and hospitals has begun. He admits he cannot drink like other people, but does not see why. He clings to the notion that he will yet find a way to do so. He may have come to the point where he desperately wants to stop, but cannot. His case presents additional questions, which we shall try to answer for you. You can be quite hopeful of a situation like this, because he's almost sick enough. I know it's crazy, but that's what it gets into. Here's number four. You may have a husband. Four, four. Number four. Now Number four, drinkers are my favorite. They're my favorite. They come in, there's, there's a characteristic to them when they walk into their first AA meeting and they are really, really a mess. And it's kind of fantastic. And it's gonna tell us why here in a minute. Four, you may have a husband of whom you completely despair. Like you're done with him, completely done with this. He has been placed in one institution after another. Uh, today, that's mostly rehabs and jails, Right. He is violent or appears definitely insane when drunk. Sometimes he drinks on the way home from the hospital. I mean, who wouldn't? You just got out of the hospital. Think about it. You need some, right? Perhaps he's had delirium tremens. Doctors may shake their heads and advise you to have him committed. Maybe you've already been obliged to put him away. This picture may not be as dark as it looks. Many of our husbands were just as far gone. Yet, they got well. That's the first notion of that. That's the first one he says. It's number four. Yet they got well. Now let's go back to number one. Oddly enough, he is often difficult to deal with. He enjoys drinking. It stirs his imagination. His friends feel closer over a highball. Perhaps you enjoy drinking with him yourself when he doesn't go too far. You've passed happy evenings together, chatting and drinking before your fire. Perhaps you both like parties, which would be dull without liquor. We have enjoyed such evenings ourselves. We had a good time. We know all about liquor as a social lubricant. Some, but not all of us, think it has its advantages when reasonably used. The first principle of success is that you should never be angry. Even though your husband becomes unbearable and you have to leave him temporarily, you should, if you can, go without rancor. Patience and good temper are most necessary. Our next thought is that you should never tell him what he must do about his drinking. If he gets the idea that you are a nag or a killjoy, your chance of accomplishing anything useful may be zero. He will use that as an excuse to drink more. I mean, how many I, how many times have I done that? Holy moly. He will tell you he is misunderstood. Hmm. Don't we love saying that? You don't understand me. This may lead to lonely evenings for you. He may seek someone else to console him, not always another man. Be determined that your husband's drinking is not going to spoil your relations with your children or your friends. That's important for our wives, the people that love us. Be determined that our drinking is not going to destroy their relationships. They need your companionship and your help. It is possible to have a full and useful life, though your husband continues to drink. We know women who are unafraid. We know women who are unafraid. That's awesome. Even happy under these conditions. Can you imagine that? Do not set your heart on reforming your husband. You may be unable to do so no matter how hard you try. We know these suggestions are sometimes difficult to follow, but you will save many a heartbreak if you can succeed in observing them. Your husband may come to appreciate your reasonableness and patience. This may lay the groundwork for a friendly talk about his alcoholic problem. Try to have him bring up the subject himself. Be sure you are not critical during such a discussion. Attempt instead to put yourself in his place. Let him see that you want to be helpful rather than critical. And I think that's good advice for everyone in any difficult conversation that involves a personal problem or personal health problem of somebody else. When a discussion does arise, you might suggest you read this book or at least the chapter on alcoholism. So that's a great bit of advice too. So when we get our book out, it's not... You hear it in meetings all the time. Read the first 164 pages. Get it done. You can always think about this. The chapter on alcoholism is probably the most relational page for the newcomer that we got. And some think the doctor's opinion either way. But this says the chapter on alcoholism. Tell him you've been worried, though perhaps needlessly. You think he ought to know the subject better, as everyone should have a clear understanding of the risk he takes if he drinks too much. Show him you have confidence in his power to stop or moderate. Say you do not want to be a wet blanket, that you only want him to take care of his health. Thus, you may succeed in interesting him in alcoholism. He probably has several alcoholics among his own acquaintances. You might suggest that you both take an interest in them. Drinkers like to help other drinkers. Your husband may be willing to talk to one of them. If this kind of approach does not catch your husband's interest, it may be best to drop the subject. But after a friendly talk, your husband will usually revive the topic himself. This may take patient waiting, but it will be worth it. Meanwhile, you might try to help the wife of another serious drinker. There's that go help other people thing again. In order to save myself from being angry, I go in service of other people. It's right here, just like it is in our book, just like it is in previous chapters. The same strategy works. If you act upon these principles, your husband may stop or moderate. So patience, kindliness, gentleness when we're dealing with the other alcoholic. This also accounts for you as the recovering alcoholic when dealing with your friends. This also counts as you as a recovering alcoholic when dealing with your family members. Suppose, however, that your husband fits the description of number two. The same principles which apply to husband number one should be practiced, but after his next binge, Ask him if he would really like to get over drinking for good. Do not ask that he do it for you or for anyone else. Just would he like to. The chances are he would. Show him your copy of this book and tell him what you have found out about alcoholism. Show him that alcoholics, the writers of the book, understand. Tell him some of the interesting stories you have read. If you think he will be shy of a spiritual remedy, ask him to look at the chapter on alcoholism. There it is again then perhaps he will be interested enough to continue. If he is enthusiastic, your cooperation will mean a great deal. If he is lukewarm or thinks he is not an alcoholic, we suggest you leave him alone. Avoid urging him to follow our program. The seed has been planted in his mind. He knows that thousands of men, much like himself, have recovered. But don't remind him of this after he's been drinking, for he may be angry sooner or later. You are likely to find him reading the book once more. Wait until repeated stumbling convinces him he must act. For the more you hurry him, this is very important, the longer his recovery may be delayed. We love to resist people caring about us. We love it. We fight it with everything we got. Don't come to me and express love, kindness, care, patience. and I mean, I'm not going to have none of that, you know? I don't like kindness in the form of honesty at all. So I think this is very true of me, and I was handled much this way by my wife. If you have a number three husband, you may be in luck. Here's where we get really sick, right? The sicker, the better. Being certain he wants to stop, you can go to him with this volume as joyfully as though you had struck oil. He may not share your enthusiasm, but he is practically sure to read the book and he may go for the program at once. If he does not, you will probably not have long to wait. Again, you should not crowd him. Let him decide for himself. Cheerfully see him through more sprees. Whew. I mean, seriously, cheerfully see him through more sprees. Man, you remember that part where we torture them and we're violent and we strike the kids and we bring financial insecurity and all that? cheerfully see him through more sprees. Wow, this is what the people that love us are willing to do. That's incredible, right? Talk about his condition or this book only when he raises the issue. In some cases, it may be better to let someone outside the family present the book. We see that in working with others also, right? That may be a doctor telling our prospect he's an alcoholic. Hmm they can urge action without arousing hostility. If your husband is otherwise a normal individual, your chances are good at this stage. You would suppose that men in the fourth classification would be quite hopeless, but that is not so. So now we're going to get into, and this is really great for us alcoholics as we bring people into the fold of AA, as we identify friends and family members that may well benefit from this program. This part's Fantastic, and we're going to finish it after number four here. It says, "You would suppose that men in the fourth classification would be quite hopeless, but that is not so. Many of Alcoholics Anonymous were like that. Everybody had given them up. Defeat seemed certain. Yet often such men had spectacular and powerful recoveries. Now he didn't say that about one, two, or three, did he? There are exceptions. Some men have been so impaired by alcohol that they cannot stop. Sometimes there are cases where alcoholism is complicated by other disorders. A good doctor or psychiatrist can tell you whether these complications are serious. In any event, try to have your husband read this book. Notice in every one of the categories, that is the first step. Have your person read this book. Not browbeat him, not accuse him of stuff, not act like you're angry, none of that. Have the person read this book. His reaction may be one of enthusiasm. If he is already committed to an institution but can convince you and your doctor that he means business, give him a chance to try our method, unless the doctor thinks his mental condition too abnormal or dangerous. We make this recommendation with some confidence. For years, we've been working with alcoholics committed to institutions. Since this book was first published, AA has released thousands of alcoholics from asylums and hospitals of every kind. The majority have never returned. The power of God goes deep. Very important. The power of God goes deep. That's why we don't get angry. That's why when our family members deal with us, the intent is to be helpful in spite of the fact that we're family domestic terrorists, you know, and that we wreck finances and we're awful, awful when it comes to the idea of trust. So it goes on and it says, you may have the reverse situation on your hands. Perhaps you have a husband who is at large, but who should be committed meaning that he's running amok in the world. Some men cannot or will not get over alcoholism. When they become too dangerous, we think the kind thing to do is to lock them up. Call the cops. But of course, a good doctor should always be consulted. The wives and children of such men suffer horribly. They suffered our hands horribly, but not more than the men themselves. In other words, we're all in this boat together, right? But sometimes you must start life anew. So when we get to this part of this, we've gone through these four categories of drinker and where Bill is not so confident and one and two can get sober, though they could. Number three is a little bit more confident. And with number four, he talks about a spectacular turnaround, right? And a lot of us understand that from a different perspective, where this is the wife trying to understand or the spouse, father, dad, son, whatever. From our perspective, there comes a turning point thing that we very placidly call a bottom, the thing that our book calls incomprehensible demoralization, that we come in completely defeated. We love to say broken today. That hardly fits the bill. Smashed, destroyed, incomprehensibly. So when we think about this in terms of our families, what was that turning point like? you know, because there's a lot of different experiences that have been had. Some families handled it like this book suggests. Others handled it quite differently. Some of our wives, some of our spouses, some of our parents manipulated us into getting help. My first trip to rehab, I was fooled by my parents. I was kidnapped. (laughs) I was 17 years old. They had every right to do it. These kind of things are interesting to hear, and it helps the newcomer understand the variety of circumstances that they have surrounded themselves with through the abuse of alcohol, through the different things that we do to other people to maintain our right or our ability to drink. When were you done and how did your family react? Some were helpful, some wanted nothing to do with us. So I think it'd be a great conversation to talk about. When you first showed up to AA, What was the atmosphere in your family? For those of us with a little time of sobriety, how has that changed? How is doing the program, how is practicing these principles in all your affairs changed how people look at you? I can tell you for myself that I like to say I've changed my past in that the way people look at me now, they would say, if not for addiction and alcoholism, he would never be where he's at today. And I think that's absolutely true. And I believe that God has given me a skill set in the steps, so a spiritual toolkit that I simply wouldn't have gone after without that motivation. It doesn't justify anything that I've done. I was all these things that this book says I was to the different members of my family and people that love me. So It doesn't justify any of that. How am I going to work a life? How am I going to live a life that reflects the correct way to treat people? How am I going to live in a way that shows respect to those that love me? I sure hope you guys have a great discussion.